The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Uh, actually, just a couple months ago, I met with a friend from church uh, outside to get coffee, and uh, I got to hear his life story. I got to hear the ups and the downs, the good and the bad, and, and really just how God had been drastically working in his life. Um, that morning, the Lord led me and gave me the opportunity to share the gospel with him. And uh, in tears, both of us in tears in that moment, I got to see him firsthand surrender his life to Jesus Christ right outside of a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, I remember him saying, you know, I'm not used to praying out loud in general, but I never thought I'd be praying to surrender my life to Jesus here at Dunkin' Donuts. Um, So, you know, when Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, I am convicted and convinced this is something that every believer uh, should keep in the front of their mind, that every believer should be a part of. And this something is called the Great Commission. Have you heard of the Great Commission? According to Barna Research, more than half of all churchgoers say they, say they have not heard of the Great Commission. 6% say they are unsure, and 25% say they have heard it, but don't really know what it means. This means roughly only 17% of churchgoers have heard the Great Commission and actually know what it means. Those are some pretty astonishing numbers, but the silver linings is God has empowered us to do something about it. Around 2,000 years ago, the risen Lord, Jesus Christ, commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If we know Jesus personally, we have the responsibility of telling those who don't know Jesus about him, and, which is evangelism, spreading and sharing of the gospel, and showing them how they can grow in their new relationship with Jesus, which is discipleship. I am thankful that God has equipped us to do both, God has given me a heart and a burden to share the gospel with all those around me and to show them how to do the same. One of the greatest privileges that we get as a believer is the gift of leading someone to Jesus Christ and then getting to walk alongside of them as they grow in their faith in their relationship with Jesus. This is probably one of the most, if not the most thing I am passionate about. Um, evangelism and discipleship. So the great, the great Commission's call to make disciples of all nations is a command, but this is more than something God wants us to do. It is something that God actually wants us to live out. The great news is we don't have to do this alone. The Holy Spirit gives every believer, every believer, the power to live and to love missionally. As we consider the Great Commission this morning, it becomes clear that disciple-making is an invitation for us to partner with King Jesus in the work he wants to accomplish in and through his church to this world. 
are we really serious about seeing the people we know and love to come to faith in Jesus Christ? Please bow with me as uh, I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege uh, to preach your word this morning. Um, Lord, please fill me with your spirit and speak now as your word is spoken. Prepare the hearts and minds of all those who are listening to receive what you have placed on my heart to share today. Thank you for what you're going to do, and it's in Jesus' loving name I pray. All right, so if you could turn on or turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the scripture we'll be in this morning, and this is the Great Commission. Then Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. First, we must know the value of a soul if we are going to be effective uh, disciple makers or evangelists or missionaries or just believers in Jesus. We need to know the value of a soul if we're going to be effective. Matthew 16, 26 says, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The word for world here in this verse is cosmos, which means the whole universe. And a lot... and. Um, and it's, it, the first part of the verse is talking more than what we would give for, our, for the soul at, while we have it, but more once it's gone, what we would give in exchange for that then. A lot of people uh, today spend countless time and money on things that are temporary, material things, but very little on their souls or on the souls of others. This is the wrong value of a soul. Uh, my father-in-law would always tell me, um, you can't bring, when you leave this earth, you can't bring anything with you. You can't bring your car, you can't bring your, your, your job title, you can't bring anything but one thing, and that's other people's souls. So value has to do with worth. The definition of value is the regard that something is held to deserve the importance, worth, or usefulness of something. The definition for worth is the level at which someone or something deserves to be valued or rated. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of this story or uh, know what the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were, um, but it's often called the greatest archaeological discovery in the 20th century because of, the, because of their importance to understanding the Bible and the Jewish world at the time of Jesus. Well, a shepherd found these Dead Sea Scrolls, and he sold them for just a few dollars. And that's a perfect example of not knowing the value of something. Um, any of, for those of you here, I mean, we, you know, we live in LA. A lot of people are, are, have uh, side gigs, and some people may resell things or trade things in. And uh, if there's any gamers who are here or listening, or when you take these games that you had and you bring them to GameStop thinking, okay, maybe I may, may trade these five games for one. 
Well, a lot of the times you may get five bucks for five games that you spend uh, $60 a piece on. So that, that's a perfect example as well of having the wrong value for something. Um, we live in an age and a time where we have the wrong, wrongly prioritized values. Most people value their social media following more than actual human interaction. Uh, constantly on our phones, checking the likes, the follows, and the shares. Um, a lot of people value their bodies more than they do their souls. Um, spending hours at the gym, uh, countless time and effort on, on, and money on, on diets and, and, and workout regimens, but have trouble spending even 15 minutes in the Word of God or in prayer or sharing their faith. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and life to come, which is eternity. Let's train in godliness. And a lot of people value the car they drive, their job title, the amount of money they have over the value of their own soul, let alone the soul of those in their life. The worth of the soul goes far beyond all money in this world. It is the soul of a person that gives them great value. It is the lost soul that Jesus died on the cross for. Someone who started with the wrong value of, of a soul but ended with the right value of a soul um, is my mentor, Pastor Johnny Hunt. I don't know if you've heard of his testimony or his story of how he came to faith in Christ, uh, but those of you who have been under his preaching and teaching know that he dropped out of high school uh, at a young age because he didn't want to give a public report. Um, he, he was into drinking and gambling and got in trouble with the law. Um, he managed a pool room at the age of 16. And uh, the title of his testimonial book is uh, for, From the Pool Room to the Pulpit. When God radically changed his life on a snowy Sunday evening in January in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, um, God gave him the right value of a soul, and God placed within him the power and, and the might to become a disciple maker. Um, God saved his soul, and now countless lives have been impacted in the life and ministry of Pastor Johnny Hunt. And I know personally I'm one of them. And uh, so next, number two, Jesus placed great value on the soul because it was created to last forever. Our soul comes from God's breath and is everlasting, means it lasts forever. In Genesis 2, 7, then the Lord God formed a man from dust of the ground and breath into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We all will spend eternity somewhere. The Bible makes it clear. It'll be one place or the other, heaven or hell. Souls must be very valuable because of the fact that Jesus died for each one of them. In Matthew 26, 38, Jesus said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He was in such mental agony that his body could hardly endure it. The very thing that God despises or hates or loathes is sin. And that was placed on his perfect son, Jesus, because of his love for the sinner. And the only thing bigger than sin is Christ's love for us. Uh, the, the, the soul and the person and life is so fragile. Um, 
last year, uh, I lost my father, my stepfather. Um, I called him Pops. And I also lost a cousin who was more like a big brother to me, TJ. Um, when you, when, when my dad was diagnosed with cancer, um, we valued every second we spent with him, knowing that it could possibly be our last. Through his battle with cancer, I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with him and him finally praying to receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior right there in the hospital bed. I had shared with him countless times um, over, the, over the course of uh, eight, nine years after I came to faith in Christ, but it wasn't until he was facing death in the eye that God captured his heart and saved his soul. And I hear his story first because that was, I valued it in knowing that it could be the last. But with my cousin TJ, he was 39 years old. Um, he uh, was a dear, dear friend and brother to me. Um, you know, he woke up a Friday morning and went to work. And little did he know that was his last um, day on earth. But I'm praising God and resting on the promise that I will see them both again because they both surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. And I had, God had gifted me with the opportunity um, to share with TJ uh, just a few years before he passed and to get to see the radical life change of a man who didn't know Christ and a man God saved and became a better father, husband, friend, and brother to me. Number three, Jesus placed high value on the human soul because it cannot be saved after death. We read, we, we read in Luke 16, 26 through 28 about the rich man and Lazarus. Those who want to go, it says there in Luke, those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, the rich man answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Once the rich man got to hell, he realized, I, I, I need to tell those I love because this place is not a place you want to be. And in the same way, we should do the same. Um, I've heard it said, good news is only good news if it makes it there on time. Or I've even said it myself, I'm just a waiter trying to get the food to the table while it's hot. But it's probably better said, I'm just a waiter trying to get to the food, to the hot food to the table while the guests are still there. Because once they die, it's too late. And what do you think the rich young ruler would give today in exchange for his soul? The answer is easy. It's everything. And my last point here today, number four, is knowing how much Jesus loves a soul, values a soul, is key for a heart for evangelism and discipleship. God does not wish for any to perish, but for all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of him. Oh, God, excuse me. God does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, for this is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as ransom for all people. We must go into all the world with Christ's power, like it says in uh, Matthew 28, 18. All power is given to me. Where does the power come from? 
comes from Christ. When we live under his authority, he grants us access to his power. It is not us who actually does the soul winning or the soul saving. That's up to Jesus. Our job is just to share lovingly. Jesus' disciples took his last words here seriously, and we should too. Over the span of the next 34 years after the Great Commission, the disciples evangelized most of the known world. If we fully understood the significance of God's power, we would be seeing multitudes swept into God's kingdom, like in Revelation 7, 9. Salvation is the supernatural work of God. He provides the divine power for us to use. The Apostle Paul summarized it this way. For God has not given us a a spirit of timidity, but of power, timidity, but of power and love and discipline. 2 Timothy 1.7. He's given us the power of the gospel. The gospel is the light that opens blind eyes, rescues captives, and revives the dead. It is the good news of what Christ did for the sake of all mankind. Sharing our faith means passing along this foundational truth. Christ died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and rose again from the dead. We can talk about Christ with confidence, believing with the Apostle Paul that I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, Romans 1.16. We have the power of the Holy Spirit, After Jesus' resurrection and ascension, the church's task was to proclaim to all nations the forgiveness of sins. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea Judea and Samaria, and even the remotest part of the earth, Acts 1.8. The major reason for the Holy Spirit's empowerment is for the spreading of the gospel. We have the power of prayer. Sharing our faith means we are entering into spiritual warfare. The enemy will always strive against the work of God. One of our mightiest weapons is specific, persistent prayer on behalf of our lost friends and family. When we pray for an unbelieving friend, we confess our dependence upon God for his leadership, wisdom, and timing. If we truly desire to see lost friends and family come to Christ, the amount of time we spend directly interceding on their behalf will reflect that. We should be asking them how we can pray for them. Few people will refuse to let someone pray about their problems, and doing so prepares a way for introducing them to Jesus. We must go into all the world, to our neighbors and our nations, with Christ's mission, like it says in verses 19 and 20. Number one, we need to evangelize people for Christ, teach them or disciple them. God has placed every person in our life for a reason and a purpose. And it's our duty to steward those relationships well. We must reach people before we can teach people. Pastor Johnny would say this, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. When sharing the gospel, it necessitates repentance and a commitment to Jesus Christ. Don't have a conversation, we shouldn't just have a conversation or just give an explanation. Our lives should be a demonstration of the gospel. And uh, Pastor Matt shared this with me the other day. Evangelism is often caught, not taught. When it's seen, lived out, it's, it's easier to replicate. We need to enlist people for Christ. In verse 19 says, baptizing them. Believer's baptism is the Christian's identification with Christ. It's an outward display of an inward change. 
We must hunger to see people get saved and come alongside them to show them what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples. And lastly, we need to equip people, teaching them. Jesus not only said to teach what he taught, but he promised to be with us as we teach. He specifically said to teach the things he commanded us. He didn't say to twist it around to fit our views, but to just give them the pure word of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is powerful unto salvation. We, we believers must teach people from God's word and get them plugged into the body of Christ. Here at Story City Church, we have many opportunities to get plugged in, whether it be uh, our men's ministry, The Forge, women's ministry, Illum, community groups. Um, when we get new believers involved in fellowship with the body, in his word, we gain them for kingdom service. And finally, God has given us his power and his mission for evangelism and discipleship of our world. When Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he meant it. I'm grateful that on March 5th, 2010, I was sat down in a kitchen um, by the name of Jim Maroney. Uh, he asked me if I knew where I'd go if I were to die that day. My answer was, no, sir, I didn't. He proceeded to share with me the plan of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how I too could know where I would go when I died. I surrendered my heart and life to Jesus Christ that day and my life was forever changed. Not only did he share the gospel with me, evangelized, he discipled me. He walked with me since then and showed me what it meant to be a Jesus follower. Uh, little did I know, four years later, I would marry his eldest daughter, Sarah. So brothers and sisters in Christ, the Great Commission is an invitation to join Jesus in the work of drawing people into his wonderful relationship companion into his wonderful companionship. When Jesus is telling the disciples to go, he wasn't necessarily only telling them to go across the seas to a foreign country to share the gospel, but he does command us to go and make disciples. My father-in-law would say it like this, the hardest door to walk through to share the gospel is your own front door. God never commanded a non-believer to go to church, but he does command the church to go to the non-believer. Be encouraged this morning, church, that we don't have to do it alone because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ and he lives in you. Make yourselves available to share and God will make you able. Go confidently knowing that the word of God does not return void. And uh, for those of you who are here today, who don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, God is giving you an invitation right now to come to know him. Um, God has created a bridge between heaven and earth, and the bridge is called the cross. John 3, 16 and 17 says, God so loved the world that he is his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Thank you for joining us this morning, church. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here today who's tuning in online um, or out here in the courtyard that doesn't know you as their Lord and personal Savior, God, I ask uh, that you save them this morning. And it all starts with a little prayer. And it's, uh, you know, there's nothing magical or mystical about the prayer, um, but it's, 
In the same way we ask our spouse to be our bride, uh, we need to come and surrender our lives to you. And the prayer sounds a little something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve hell for my sins. But today I come to you and I turn from my sins. I repent of them. And I place my faith in Christ alone and his finished work on the cross. I ask you to forgive me of those sins, to save me. I thank you for doing so. And I thank you for changing my eternal address from hell to heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to celebrate with you. You could just uh, put something in the comments or you could text Story City one word to 24587 or you can email prayer at Story City Church. We'd love to connect with you and help you in your new relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you, church.